Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of The Old World Lives, a Warhammer podcast. And it's starting to feel like the old world is really... Not maybe not there living yet, but it's getting there. And uh, with me tonight, I have Niklas. Hello. And Morten. Hi, hi, hi. It's certainly being resurrected, at least. Yeah, I think it's about uh, forty-five to fifty percent into the chanting, uh, uh, rolling, <laughs> d- rolling bones, putting crystals on uh, uh, daises and stuff like that. Might yep. need to construct uh, additional pylons to make it work. I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, really crazy how fast things are moving now. Because uh, it's been so long, where it's like been going so slowly, and now since we recorded last time, just like three big things happened. So plenty of stuff to discuss today. Yeah, much uh, much better than like uh oh here's two age of sigma models that could be used in an old world <laughs> army yeah well we, we've really been starved for old world <laughs> stuff yeah. yeah and so, some of those have really been uh, this could be used honestly this could be used we promise you <laughs> <laughs> it's on the level of oh you could make a hierophant if or hyro titan if you if you carve out the the metal scor- tomb scorpion and combine it with the Equal <laughs> the metal bone giant, that sort take, of level. If you take this ball of putty, cover it in glue, and unroll it through a bits box, <laughs> ball of chaos. Yes, 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 indeed. <laughs> but uh, speaking of weird hobby projects, Nicholas, I've heard that you've been doing some hobby. Yes. So, uh, as you all know, I've been uh, doing some other games recently, but now uh, it's just the uh, Thinking of my my dwarves, uh, and I also uh, put together some of the like the the Leopold leopard company that I got from you, Morton. Because mm-hmm. uh, they were just laying in a box, and thought, oh, I might as well just do something with them. And now I realize I need still need like six more to actually have a unit, like you know, sixteen at least. Um, and then I saw some on eBay that I missed that I'm really pissed about. Uh, but uh, I was also uh, Looking at some dwarf stuff, and um, maybe some mana warships for uh, for the potential battle at uh, Land of Blood. Because mm. because you were talking about mana war um, a while back that uh, you got some ships. Um, yeah, but we we still actually haven't played with them. <laughs> but uh, I have mine painted here, right in front of me. I, the human fleet and Hawkeye was really good. He painted up a bunch of fleets so uh, it's gonna happen sometime uh, and if not earlier than at the next island of blood yeah i thought that would be cool because uh, cool to have like a, an island on the map and maybe have like a, a multiplayer battle in the day before or something yeah and nice I, I mean set the scene yeah and uh, uh outside of this island where i live there have been some really uh spectacular naval battles in history uh, where the Swedish fleet got 
well, I th- they lost against the Danes with <laughs> the Dutch together, and the the Crown ship, which was called the Crown, sank, and it's lying on the bottom of the Baltic Sea outside. Ah. To, be, to be fair, most of our uh, our flagships and the royal ships are on the bottom of the Baltic Sea. Yeah. <laughs> one that that's in in a building in Stockholm. Yeah, and that one we did we did manage to sink by design, literally design. <laughs> Yeah. It has been on the bottom of the sea. It's just yeah, ne- never, ne- never, never get input from the king for where you should put the cannons. More cannons. <laughs> I put them at the water lines. So we can shoot the other ships. But uh, <laughs> sir, it, uh, what what happened? What would happen if uh, they got water in ship? I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I decree it that it won't sink. Yeah. Uh, so- uh, so I, I actually saw some manure stuff at the BSK, um, at the retro shop. And I was thinking like, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to get these. I'm never going to do anything with them. And then I totally re- regretted it. And like, fuck, now I need those chips. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to try and get some dwarf chips. Uh, of course, just have a few for a multiplayer battle. And then I was thinking of dwarves. I'm thinking of my dwarves uh, that are, they were just so close to being finished. Um, mm. But I had um, a, a goblobber and a, like a really old model um, that I hadn't put together yet. So I put that together, and then I thought, "Ah, oh, fuck! I'm just gonna just gonna finish painting the dwarfs because it's not that many." And like my last year's New Year's resolution was to finish my Kislev dwarfs and dark elves. Oh, the Kis- Kislev army is is actually done. I still have like a few bits, but nothing to like make a new unit. The dwarves are just so close. I have like less than 20 models and then some bits for it um, to finish. Mm-hmm. But the Dark Hills, I still have some stuff left and I also got new stuff. So uh, they don't count. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the dwarves are really uh, coming to the finish line now. Which is a bit sad, kind of, because uh, I really enjoyed that project. And uh, just looking back at other hobby projects I've had throughout my life, it's uh, like when you when you actually finish something, I think you, you play with it less and you focus less on it. Uh, like you're always more invested in the army that you're like currently building. Um, like once you got a couple of units into the army and then like oh yeah now I want to add this thing it's going to be awesome and then you still use the stuff that you painted first and then also maybe you put more effort into to painting the first models and then you get to a stage where you're like over 2000 points maybe you just add some, some stuff or maybe you just need this for an event and then you just kind of slap together and then I know it's like you get to a point where you have a complete army and now you just want to add a bunch of random crap for it. Maybe like a train piece or maybe some units that you probably won't use in an actual battle, but it's cool to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for my 30k stuff, like I got these super heavy tanks that <laughs> I barely ever used. And for my Kislevites, I built these war wagons, which are like a nice fluff piece, but it's not going to get used a lot. For dwarves, I also have a bunch of like uh, small train pieces that I thought like, you could build like a 
um like a base camp or like a uh like, like the camp that follows the army because mm-hmm. uh, i was thinking that would be cool for like to add in a regular battle um based on the like the third edition rules you could have a a camp uh, where you could get some points for taking the enemy camp um and this is like an idea I had a couple of years ago, and I still haven't fucking finished it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now I'm finishing like the whole army. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I think you <clears throat> you're kind of at that stage with your chaos army as well, Morton. Yeah, just, like you have a complete army, and just adding cool stuff that you probably won't use, <laughs> but it's they're really cool. <laughs> like a chaos emperor's chaos dragon <laughs> yeah man even Tamarcon, like how many times do you mm. use that guy no no you're right very specific and, yeah and uh, like you're always thinking like oh this would be so cool to have like an epic battle with these guys mm. but then like getting these epic battles to happen is such an effort and yeah. It's like once a year, maybe you could actually make this happen, where where the stars align, where like the the guy you're playing <clears throat> also has a massive army and has time to play at that day. Mm. So yeah, just thinking about my big dwarf army made me think of when will I actually bring all of these things out for a massive game of my dreams. When uh, when Chris has his uh, elf force ready for the War of the Beards, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> we have a date. Yeah, I'm thinking it will be the lovely Grey Horde in that case, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but. Uh... <clears throat> I'm hoping I'll get to use the dwarves uh, with the old world. I think that that will be the army that I play when the game drops. Because <clears throat> I build my Kislevites, uh, love them, and I build my dwarves. Now, <clears throat> sorry, um, for a while I've been building my Dark Hills and really enjoy playing them in 6th edition. But they're not going to be one of the main factions in the old world uh, in the beginning. But dwarves will. So I'm thinking I will use the dwarves and then hopefully they will release Kislev and then I can focus on them again. And then maybe Dark Elves will come around again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kislev so, uh, might be pretty good in this new edition. <coughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, the dwarves I'm painting is just like two long beards that I've had. <clears throat> uh, the minor character from the the War of the Beard, actually, um, two Joseph Bugman models from <laughs> uh, Wormer World. One is like an actual model with an axe. Uh, he could also wield a bar stool, but I actually gave him an axe. <clears throat> the other one is a like a resin model where Bugman is just leaning against two casks of ale, uh, smoking a pipe, sleeping. Oh, nice. Um, so that will be like in the that camp, mm. um, and then I, yeah, the the gobblubber, and just a few bits and pieces, some wagons and walls and stuff. 
Yeah, it looked like the you had quite a collection there still. Yeah, uh, a, a ragtag bunch of <laughs> models. <clears throat> yeah, just two, two or three of each kind. Yeah, <laughs> random stuff. And then I was also um, finishing carving out the the foam for him. Oh. <clears throat> it's really nice with dwarves not having any cavalry or any big guys that you can <laughs> fit like an entire army in one case <laughs> Kislevites are kind of easy because they're all cavalry so I can all put them in a magnetic box Dark Elves are the worst because they're just infantry, cavalry and monsters <laughs> yeah and you got so many monsters now so <laughs> yes yeah I just need a, a slan in a Princess Leia bikini, and I'm all set. Yep, yep. So, yeah, that's my, my hobby progress. Some dwarves. Very nice. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I've almost finished a test model for a new army. Or, well, an, an old army that has finally started painting. Oh, which one is and, that? Ooh, I'm gonna see if I can send it over to you here on uh, the Discord and can see if you can recognize this project. That is obviously the most logical way to do in a mostly uh, uh, sound-based uh, or media. <laughs> mostly? <Are> well, we <laughs> also emitting well, smells? Uh, yeah. Um, I think, think more emotions, uh, panic, those kind of... Uh... Actually, maybe we could emit smells. Imagine smelling a pot of Devlin mud. Ah, uh, especially the part of the that's been open for open for a bit. That has just been uh, sitting and oxidizing, and got a little off rank smell that I did after a while. <laughs> I can describe to the audience that I'm seeing a beautifully painted skeleton with some uh, purple cloth. It's got silver breastplates and uh, sort of bronzy uh, chain links, or what would you call that? And it's more like a play, some kind of scale like, mail. Scale mail, that's good. Yeah. But, so these are the... Uh, called again? New skeletons? Oh. Yeah, the new skeletons. They, they are... Let's see here. They're from the Soul Blight or Death Rattle, whatever, something. Extra words that means something undead <laughs> in uh, not... Age of Sigma Lord that we can't remember. <laughs> you should... Yeah. They're not from the cursed city. <clears throat> uh, no, they, they are, they are, there is one model uh, cursed, from cursed city that looks like this that I really would want. Mm. But uh, that one uh, I don't think is uh, available separately anymore. Mm. So you you did the the black knights for this army, right? Or did you paint them? Or, or well, I've, start, I've started painting, and they are in the sa in a similar color scheme. This one that you see here on screen is just in the base colors mm -hmm. for this one it, it ain't got no arms though Where, no, those, those are they're they're on the on the painting desk right next to it oh. and it's right behind me currently so i will finish i think i will finish this one up tonight yeah uh, it is really a, just like uh, like a quick uh, make a hundred skeleton kind of uh, paint scheme so uh, it looks 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 pretty good to be a quick paint scheme if you ask me Wow. Yeah, that, that's just the base coats, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say a lot of people would say that this is ready for the. This is definitely beyond tabletop ready, though. But uh, 
I guess this is why you never finish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is uh, pretty much going to be a contrast and uh, Vallejo metals Mm. project. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any any theme for this? Uh, Is it a vampire counts army, or is it from some specific? Oh, it will be uh, the, vamp- the the vampire counts army that I've uh, planned for so long. So it will be sixth ed compliant, but uh, I'm reckoning that we will see at least one set of rules uh, for the old world. So you just need some uh, basic standards for these, so they yeah. can uh, fit um, lovely twenty fives instead, like a some kind of uh, movement trait or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they going to be from some, you know, specific? Count or oh, oh there's uh, way there's way more lore than necessary. Okay, <laughs> good, good. That's what I'd like to hear. Because these don't look, uh, these models don't look uh, like uh, any Empire models. They look uh, a bit more archaic. They have a different style of armor, different helmets, uh, round shields and spears. Yeah. In a different style. So they are actually a mercenary company that never got back home to the, oh. the city where they're from. Nice. So there will be a mercenary general in there or? Well, I did send you a bit of a hint on our messenger group the other night mm. with uh, that with the units that you can technically take in a vampire. Can you see the, the purple, Morten? It's your army. Yeah, yeah. That, I, okay, I didn't understand. That, <laughs> I think I replied with uh, a bunch of question marks because I yes, I, I didn't understand what this list meant. But now I understand, so that makes it very interesting. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so. Uh, yeah, are you going to make some paymaster just as a little unit filler somewhere? Be kind of cool. There, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. there will be at least two units of uh, skeletons, and then there will be a, a unit of zombies, and then the knights, and maybe adding in some uh, stand-in uh, other models for graveguard that doesn't look like the uh, classical <laughs> graveguard from uh, yeah. Empire Counts armies and. Uh, there might be a bit of different armies. They must maybe be like a vampire in exile that found an old battlefield or something like that. Mm. This could be very cool. Uh, might even be a time to bring my converted uh, uh, Neferata-looking vampire out of her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have an awesome clash where I can bring the cursed company, uh, Richter Kruger's cursed <laughs> company, who hates yeah. skeletons, and they can fight. So it's mercenary skeletons fighting mercenary skeletons oh my god <laughs> yes and that's also why i looked into which uh, of the uh, old dogs warrior regiments are actually fight uh, willing to fight against uh, or fight alongside uh, yeah. undead hmm. and just uh, is a bit of a teaser this model will go up uh, with the episode so everyone that's listening to this will be able to see this, this at the same time but it is already which is Totally re- relevant for anyone to know. It mm-hmm. is currently in this uh, posted in this work in progress project uh, state, posted on our whatever the platform is called this week, uh, Twitter X, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this, uh, this I uh, painted this b- before work. Most of this uh, the other day it took like half an hour to get to this stage. So, I think it will be be good enough for at least uh, two or three more before I get sick of it. (laughs) It looks very promising. Yeah. So, Morten. Yes. uh, The the hobby on the island. I am painting up some of uh, the Rico's Republican Guard as we speak. And they look glorious in their gold from uh, 
scale color. Mm-mm-mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. And nice. uh, so yeah, so I, I I primed these guys, and I also primed the uh, marksman of Miragliano and the goblin hewer that Malachi Malachi son built. So they're also here next to me. But I, I felt like I wanted to start with Rico's Republican Guard. And uh, now I'm just base coating with a lot of gold. So, uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yes. And um, I haven't painted models in a while because I've been working on this uh, this huge wizard tower terrain piece, um, oh. which is almost done now. It's almost done. Uh, just some. Is, it, is that the, the lighthouse? Yeah, it was supposed to be the lighthouse for the campaign. <laughs> Maybe it will be there for the next campaign. We will see. Uh, I must say that uh, Niklas really put um, ideas in my head when he came up with the idea that oh yeah, the next game should start with man of war. We, you should just you should model like your island, uh, so we could have that and sail uh, you know around it. Now. Oh wow, that's so cool! And I talked to my my hobby friends about it, and they were like, yeah, yeah and then we could make. We could even make the terrain, uh, like the campaign uh, map on Erland, like, uh, you know, Mighty Damn. Empire sort of thing. And I was like, oh, oh, what are you? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. really inspired. You definitely need to have like a, uh, an undead castle in the bottom. It's just like a, a grave field full of dead mm. bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are some nice locations on Erland that could. Uh, and there is a, a a huge lighthouse at the very southern end. So maybe we were fighting on mm. Erland all along. Who knows? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see if I have... Well, yeah. Now that's on my wish list of things to do. The only boring thing sort of is that, uh, for those who don't know, the island that I'm living on, Erland, is very thin and narrow. So it's uh, it's like a straight line. Uh, maybe it'll be like a push and pull campaign. Yeah, I mean, I don't think for the campaign's sake, I think it doesn't matter because you could always claim that you could go with via fleet and attack or something. You know, if you control a port, you could attack at any coastline uh, on the island. Could could you just take the bridge? Yeah, then then you win the game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who controls the bridge controls the peninsula. Yes. <laughs> so, so but, uh, you know, you know, you know. I have to mention it at least once an episode. It is in it is in our contract, after all. It, yes, it is okay. It is okay. I, I agree with that. Um, no, but uh, I think for Man of War, it, it's more of a problem. Maybe if if the entire map is blocked off by a, a straight line, <laughs> I don't know. We will see what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. It's, isn't the bridge bridge actually tall enough that you can sail underneath underneath it? Yes, that that it is. But uh, uh, but if you're on the east side of Erland, it's quite far to sail to get to the west side. <laughs> maybe we could. Maybe that's you can true, shoot shoot over it or something. Ah, we'll see. I'll have to make a pan. Yeah. yeah, I reckon one of the bigger guns on an Empire ship can uh, reach across the island. Yeah, they should be able to. I think so. Um, Otherwise, I feel like I, I I recognize a lot of what Nicholas was saying, and uh, I guess I'm at that point with both the Dogs of War and the Chaos Army that it's just finishing up things and uh, trying not to buy a Tomb King. Ridiculous Army. things that have no real purpose. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, uh, it's funny with the the Tomb Kings as well. Uh, 
because <laughs> we found out it was uh, yeah. I guess we're moving on to to the yes. reveal of the new model, but also the reveal that the old skeletons are in. With yeah, we think so, right? They they are in the picture so far. Yeah, because uh, uh, I guess all of us were uh, pretty much counting on that they would uh, skip these old old uh, skeletons, uh, the big head skeletons, big big heads, big hands, big feet. I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I mean they're in the picture, so probably they will be re-released. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I was really hoping they would add some new skeletons because also like what's different with them and like the old vampire count skeletons, they have different heads and different shields basically. And I guess yeah. some of them different, have different weapons, bro, don't they? Yeah. The, at least the, the, the swords, but the spears just look like regular spears and they look the same as, uh, uh, old the old goblin wolf rider spears. It's just like big big triangles. <laughs> um, they're, they're not sexy. And the vampire counts got like new skeletons in is it seventh or eighth edition. The, yeah, something like that. The newer skeleton warriors, and they look great. Mm. But tomb yeah. kings were stuck with their old ones. Mm. Yeah, sadly, it seems like we might be stuck with them. Uh, going forwards as well, but uh, I reckon uh, today there's a bit more options uh, to get uh, some extra bits for them at least. Mm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I was sort of hoping for uh, updated skeletons and chariots and skeleton horsemen, something like that, something cool. But what did we get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one new model. A big ass <laughs> dragon it's huge it, yeah and it's so like fucking left field for the two kings to get a, a dragon hmm ancient think... egypt what what hmm what does that bring to mind <laughs> yeah and they say in the description that it's like from the southern parts of the world edge mountains yeah i mean lore wise of course they I mean, it, it's a bit silly because, uh, yes, Tomb Kings are, of course, based off ancient Egypt. And they always had that theme with chariots and s- scarabs and all that kind of jazz. A- and sphinxes, that's the coolest thing, right? That you have giant war sphinxes. Uh, but, but, of course, it's the Warhammer world and there are dragons and there have been dragons in the world for all the time. So, sure, they also must have fought dragons and maybe even tamed dragons. But did anyone really want this for the army? <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, there was at least one of the high elf dragons that died in over, or one of the one or two of the darker dragons that died over uh, Camry in uh, the War of the Beard, wasn't there? Yeah. And, uh, dark elves and high elves fought, and then they got chased by airships and stuff like that. So they might have just uh, taken those bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I don't know, because uh, it's not like they're, they're resurrecting, because they are most of their stuff, because they, uh, I mean, they, they put a bunch of stuff on them, and they go to their tombs willingly, usually, Tomb Kings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Both the warriors and uh, 
and the leaders. That's why they, they keep their consciousness. They're not just enthralled like vampire count skeletons. But let's talk uh, about the actual model because now we have a dragon. And, yes, uh, and it's it's a massive crocodile with wings. Yeah, because the head the head is so cool. The skull yeah. of the head it's really crocodile like, which uh, is it has a yeah very cool new aesthetic that works with the vampire counts. But, yeah, but then the rest of the skeleton is so clean and looks more like the zombie dragon or something. Well, not even that. I don't know. I, I don't feel like it blends together that well. Yeah. It's, yeah, it looks like, quite... uh, yeah, go on. Uh, I, uh, like, uh, I saw that Photoshop of uh, someone that just removed the wings, and it looked great, because then yeah. it really looked like a massive crocodile. Um, yeah. And me and Chris were talking about that uh, uh, before recording, that uh, you could just do that and just have a massive crocodile, but then it would still have the same rules and it would still be able to fly. Um, and then I was thinking, like, someone would say, well, how can you fly without wings? But how could it fly with those wings? I mean, they're just, like, thumbs <laughs> of bone. <laughs> and then I Good was, point. like, contemplating, like, how do Tomb Kings work at all in the first place? They have no muscles. How can they even move? How do you kill them? Oh, how does anything work? It's magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe, like, a, a dragon, like, the essence of the dragon is kept. And that's yeah. why it can fly. And then it's just the dragon just needs to believe in itself, and then anything <laughs> is possible can fly. But then, then uh, but, oh, it lost its faith, and then it, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, uh, we we don't really know if it will have the ability to fly yet, right? We don't know the rules for a tomb king's bone dragon. Although it seems unlikely that it wouldn't be able to fly. I I actually think it would uh, uh, stand to reason that if the uh, if both armies get a flying lord option in the, the new starter set, so to speak, even ah, if yeah. it's not a, if it's not a combined box, but at least a start lineup for the armies uh, that both have uh, the same options there. But what I really like is that they both made one mummified cat in this. Uh, <laughs> yes. This kit. There's a giant vulture made of sand. Oh, it's so cool. And there's an option to put the one character that you don't use on a on a square base and use as a foot character. Yeah, no, it's great. I don't know. What do you guys think about the characters? Is it still the paint uh, scheme that is sort of yeah. strange for them? Yeah, paint, paint, paint scheme is fucked. This like was the, mentioned in the chat uh, on uh, when they presented this, and uh, they said, "Why did it, why did it go?" Go from uh, the old mummified uh, look to this green look. Mm-hmm. There was several people discussing this, so it's not uh, at least not just uh, us that uh, think it looks a bit off with the green look because it mm-hmm. doesn't really fit the theme of the army either. Why are they green all of a sudden? Why yeah, do they kind of look smooth. like aliens? Like, yeah. They're, they're why, so smooth. And why do they kind of look like aliens? Yeah. Confirmed. I want to believe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, 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 but, but there, the, there will be tons of cool bits in there, of course. They they also shown in the background though um the the tomb guard, the newer plastic tomb guards and the those uh snake people. I don't know what oh, they're yeah. called. Sepulchral sepulchral stalkers, right? Yes. Those guys. They're they're cool. 
Yeah. Um, and the, to- the Tomb Guard look good, I think. They're recent yeah. enough to be good looking. Yes, they are. They have smaller skulls yeah. than the, the Warriors. It's specifically that I think the cheekbones that are so incredibly pronounced. I don't know what's, what's the deal there. But, but if you look at uh, the picture with uh, the, what is it called, a hierophant and the cat, they kind of look the same. Yes, but it's the the cat on a basic called the hierophant. It probably has more power. Yeah, well, obviously, that cat fighting the dog from the trebuchet kit. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Or all of the pigeons and rats and whatever that comes with the uh, peasant men at arms kit. Yeah, For, forget about the the hippogriff versus uh, massive crocodile skeleton. We want to see a. Mummified cat against the trebuchet dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But just look at the size of that base that the dragon is on. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's kind of such a huge game piece. Cat even. Yeah. And I also, I also love, someone said that, oh, they're just going to release flashy uh, Age of Sigmar kits for the old world. And then someone just started linking uh, like the war altar, the... Uh, all of the Empire <laughs> kids, all of the all of the screaming bell, everything that is on the massive base, <laughs> that the centerpieces for every army in the in eighth and seventh ed. Yeah, it's not really a <laughs> not really a new thing. The no. kids. <laughs> and you, you uh, usually don't need more than one in this of this size. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I think the um, what would you call the thing it's sitting in? Uh, panel powder. Powder, yeah. It also just it, it doesn't really look well attached. It's sort of floating almost above the skeleton. Magic, more than yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, but uh, and it's so weird because it seems then <laughs> that it's it, it's so close, right? They they could have if they've gone for a huge mummified crocodile beast, uh, would have looked really yeah. That would have been something. That would have, would have been something. But as you said, if you would convert it to that, uh, I think they would still release this um, uh, War Sphinx, right? And I think that the Lord could take a War Sphinx as a mount. So you have a good non-flying monster that would work rules-wise for this model. Do you remember the one? The one with the Necro the Necro, necro mm-hmm. Sphinx could be built into this as well. Yeah. Like a, Those kits that uh, no, no one in Sixted could ever use, you mean? Because they were released in Aethon? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you've seen them at least. You know what I'm talking. Yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, we know. But we had, uh, you know, in, in, in Sixted we had the, those, those cooler things like uh, a bone giant that could uh, use a bow. Yeah, I, I hope that comes back. <laughs> I really hope that uh, that character would come back with a proper kit mm. that could uh, that where you could uh, put your character inside a bone giant. That was really cool. But oh, speaking yeah. of bone giants, uh, how about uh, some? Uh, Rules previews. That yes, yes. That was a really weak link. Let's link it back to the pick of a bone giant with a bow. Yeah. Ooh, good, good, good. Shooting face. Yes. So, from last time we recorded, there have been two rules updates or uh, previews. So the first one is shooting, and uh, it is quite interesting. Should you, uh, th- do, do you want me to, I can take this and you can take the close combat maybe. 
Yeah, Just, uh, the reading part. Um, so as with the other phases, it's broken into four steps. So every phase has four steps. This one has declare targets, roll to hit, roll to wound, and remove casualties. Yay, everyone and everything shoots here. Anything, yeah. Everything shoots. <laughs> and we get a little sneak peek at a longbow. A longbow has a range of 30 inches, a strength of three, and an AP dash. AP? What is that? Armor pier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's the thing we haven't discussed before, right? It seems that they have they've split strength from armor piercing in a way. Um, it's, it's hinted to, to that, but it's not explicitly said like yeah. that, right? I, I remember, I would, actually, yeah. in 6th edition, they, uh, it was a bit annoying, because sometimes they would write, like, uh, strength 5, armor modifier minus 3, and then it wasn't clear if, like, the strength 5 was included in that. And that was the case of like a bunch of war machines. Uh, yeah, so it's a bit unclear. I think I'm, I think now that like they have split it up into strength and armor pierce being different, mm. which I think would be better because you yeah. could have like a strong attack from a, a blunt force weapon, but still not be able to pierce armor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah, I would also guess that they remove this. Strength four, minus one, armor. I, I think, I don't think that would make sense when they do it like this. Um, so the the longbow has no armor piercing, but it has special rules: armor bane, uh, one in brackets, and volley fire. Um, armor bane. So that's I, a, a, yeah. I'm guessing it's going to be like armor pierce one at close range. Yeah. Uh, because in the in the little text above it says that uh, it's it increases in deadliness as the range shortens. So yeah. you're probably right there. Um, and that's like that... flavor text for sorry for interrupting you. Like, but like, I mean, every weapon gets to their closer range because you don't get the minus one to hit at long range. But like to to spell it out like that seems like there must be something else. Ah. Oh yeah, we can. Yeah, uh, the the other rule here is for the screaming skull catapult. I don't know if I should go into that. It has so many rules, uh, well, but it has a, a template, so we will know that it uses a small three-inch blast template. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, just want to say with longbow as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It also has volley fire, and we mm-hmm. didn't touch on that. That. Uh, in this game, only the front rank fires unless they have a special rule. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. I, I'll, 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 it's, uh, I'll get to that. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so um, you pick a unit and you declare a target. You can only shoot if you have a ranged weapon and you haven't marched or charged. So it seems to be the same thing there. You can't be fleeing, right? You can't be in combat. And you must have line of sight. And you can't split fire. So, yeah. But that's the fire all in eighth edition. No, I don't think so. In in sixth, you could, but only if you couldn't shoot at the main target. So you could declare like this is the target, and then as many as possible would fire on that target, and then the rest could shoot at something else. 
Oh, okay. No, but it seems that they will only shoot as one thing. Yeah. Uh, and models can almost always shoot only once, no matter how many attacks they have. And unless they have the volley fire special rule or are stationed on a hill, only the front rank may fire. How do you feel about this, Mortem? Oh. I don't like it. <laughs> Being an 8th eight, edition player. I, I don't know, it's just something about the aesthetics of, you know, uh, why wouldn't muskets be able to just kneel and fire in two racks, at least? I don't know. Uh, I, I guess this has to do with movement now being slower in this edition, in general, right? And maybe they're thinking that, oh, we have to have less shooting to even that out. But I, I just feel like, from my experience, shooting is never a big deal. Shooting never does much in the games. Okay, maybe artillery sometimes can make damage, but just normal, yeah. normal shooting does hardly anything. Yeah, that's it's that's like, my experience. A, a good use of shooting is just to get rid of like a rank bonus. Like, oh, nice, I killed two guys, and that means you won't get a rank bonus, and that's like that can be a big thing. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't mind if you could fire in two ranks at all times, like in edition, because it is a pain in the ass in sixth edition to have just like one rank of ten dudes to be able to fire your bows. Uh, but I also felt like it's a bit weird that handguns and bows fire at the same rate of fire. Um, yeah, that is strange. But I mean, they could solve that by giving all bows volley fire or something. Yeah, well, that, that's what they did now. So I guess, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like handguns, you can only fire the front rank, mm. but bows you can fire in two ranks. So like having two ranks of eight, pretty common formation aesthetically. I think that looks really cool. And now if they have bows, they can all fire. Yeah. Uh, but if they're handguns, they can only fire half of the shots. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah, and we don't know. Volley fire might not. It might be more than the first two ranks still, right? It could be in 8th edition, Volley Fire is first two ranks and half, half of every ah, rank. That's a, bit, that's a bit silly. I, I would just say that everything can fire with Volley Fire. Why not? I mean, that not that how archers work? Or could you be so far behind that you're like, ah, I can't shoot. <laughs> yeah. I might hit. Somebody. I mean, both in actual medieval warfare is more of a suppression weapon. Just mm -hmm. fire a bunch of arrows for as long as you have arrows. Mm -hmm. And that actually kind of slows down the enemy as they're advancing uh, more than trying to kill them, actually. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, they, they should definitely have a higher rate of fire than, than handguns. No, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, maybe this will be the hill meta then. Everyone will have to make hills now so that you can just put <laughs> your unit on top of a hill and then shoot as normal. Yeah, but it, it, it's going to be a, a real good business to get into the about uh, 30 millimeter by 20 millimeter, 20, 20 centimeter hill size that you can just put on the back rank of an archer unit. Mm. <laughs> like they have like a stepping stool for all of the back rank archers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be where the money is. That was also like in sixth edition, hills were way more common, I think, than in eighth edition. It's an eight, you have true line of sight, so you can just fire your cannons through your infantry anyway. Mm. And 
Um, you, yes. Uh, should I go? But, uh, yes. Uh, next is roll to hit, and I think this is the same as before with ballistic skill. The same things you hit on, and even if you have a higher ballistic skill with rerolls and things like that. That uh, was the thing before, right? Am I just dreaming this? Because people were like, oh yeah, I really like that idea. But hasn't hasn't it always been like that? It, it, yeah, in 8th edition at least it is. Yeah, I think, you... I think it's 6th edition as well. Hmm? But so, uh, yeah. there have been, I've been playing so many editions of Fantasy and 40k and like <laughs> the Middle Earth game that these kind of rules just all kind of blend together. Yeah. Uh, but then we come to the wound chart to wound, where you compare the strength yes. of the weapon with the toughness. Uh, and at first glance, it looks normal, right? That if you have the same strength as toughness, it's four plus. And then if the strength is one point higher, it's three plus, two points higher, it's two plus. And if you go the other way, if the toughness is one point higher, it's five plus. If it's two points higher, it's six plus. And then that goes on. But if the toughness is one, how much more? Like three times higher almost. No, not that much. But uh, it's a strange. It, I don't they, know. They, they changed it so you can wound stuff for longer. Like uh, needing longer than sixth edition. Yeah. So, so tell, tell us about sixth edition. How how was it there? What so, what couldn't wound what? So you you go um, the same strength as toughness is four plus one higher is five plus two higher six plus and then three higher six plus again. So it's four plus five plus six plus six plus. So you have like two six plus, and now you have four six plus. So it's Strength three against toughness three is four plus, and then against toughness four five plus, against toughness five six plus. But then you can wound stuff all the way up to uh, uh, toughness eight now instead of just toughness six. Mm. So and in eighth edition, it was six plus all the way. You could always wound something on six plus. Mm, okay, even if you were strength one. Uh, but I don't know. The, it feels so. How how often do you think this will come into effect? When do you have some? I mean, you rarely have something below strength three, right? Yeah. And how how often do you face something that's above toughness eight? Yeah, the thing like in sixth edition, it was a big thing that bows couldn't hurt war machines that were toughness seven. Yeah, um, but then you randomize to hit the crew as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but like you, you can never wound war machines. So you couldn't wound theme tanks and stuff with bows, mm. which kind of makes sense. And I, mm. it's like a bit silly. I think that like when I was playing Jimmy in the siege game, uh, the the siege towers are also time to seven that I could wound them with crossbows, <laughs> and, which seems a bit dumb. I mean, they're covered in hides and shit to to, to protect them from. Uh, bows and bolts and shit, but because like they could wound them on a six, uh, you could just destroy the whole siege tower just firing bolts. Um, but I mean, for game purposes, usually, so it's nice to have the <laughs> like that ability to wound something. Um, I don't know, like how how many things are going to be really high toughness. Um, oh, I, I don't know either. But also, like, 
always being able to be be wounded kind of makes it less worth taking really high toughness stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't mind if it was the sixth edition thing actually, where bows couldn't hurt war machines. I I, I kind of like that idea, but um, uh, yeah. I also wouldn't mind if it was the the new uh, like a 40k style where it's um it's like the same strength against toughness it's four plus more uh strength and toughness it's three plus uh, and then you need twice as much for it to be two plus and then the same backwards i guess is like Mm -hmm. less strength and toughness is five plus but um, half of the strength compared to toughness is five plus, or uh, six plus. I mean, hmm. yeah, no, but, it's, uh, uh, but uh, then it's also you can always wound in sixes. Hmm. But uh, if you manage to wound your opponent, then it's time for the armor saving throw. Um, and I think I think nothing has changed here. When I saw the armor piercing first, I was I was wondering if this was something like the old forty k rules where. An armor piercing, you know, of five meant that you pierced five plus armor, but you did nothing to four plus armor. Mm. Which, which I don't, I like the, the fantasy way better, where you modify it's like modif- minus one or minus two. And I th- surely that must be it, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good, good, I think. Um, and then you remove casualties from the back and uh, blah, blah, blah. Take panic tests, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then there will be plenty of special rules. Breath weapons, fire and flee. Gurmish cavalry can fire and flee. No, don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds fun. And then there's quick shot. I don't know if that will be something like you can stand and shoot even if you're really close to the chargers. Yeah, that's what it used to be. Or like, it's called quick to fire in native. Yeah, yeah. Quick to fire and slow to fire, but uh, we will see. Uh, and in the shooting phase, of course, also your mages will now be able to shoot magic missiles and magic vortexes. Yeah. And we get some here. We get an insight into some, two spells. And first of all, uh, we don't have the eight lords of magic anymore. We have battle magic, is one is called, and demonology. And the battle magic is fireball, and the demonology is vortex of chaos. So, what do you guys think about that? Um, yeah, you were asking us uh, earlier this week, I think, like, what do we think magic will be like? Because this is before the colleges of magic are established. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where, in the lore, they established uh, the eight uh, schools of magic that are based mm-hmm. on the winds. Uh, but, I mean... It's what everyone is used to, but it's also like a very empire-centric view of magic. Mm. Um, because it's the High Elves that set that up, or Teclas sets it up for the empire. And like, this wind can do these things, and you should really focus on that if you want to touch that. Well, I mean, the, the Elves, they just dabble in whatever magic. And like every other race, it's just doing their own thing, but it's it's only really the Empire that has this fixed view of these eight lores of magic. Um, but then again, I mean, it's what people are used to since a long time. Mm. Um, 
but I don't know. This is also a good way to getting it more in to your army instead of just having, oh, I know what the facing next time is going to replace my mage. It might still be like that. It might still be a certain types of mages can only cast certain types of spells, but as we've seen so far in the, the old world, it seems at least that uh, a magic is a bit more uh, fluid uh, rather than this guy is just a fire mage. This guy is just a life mage. So mm. to speak. I, I, I kind of like that. It's a, it's a fun... I, I still don't know if you'll be like, oh, I will take spells from battle magic. Uh, there could be things like that. I would love it if demonology is also available to just humans. This is sort of a darker, you know, Teclis hasn't been there yet to fix things. So there are some strange hedge wizards that <laughs> maybe the witch hunter needs to deal with. I don't know. I was uh, also thinking about no. the magic, because uh, I was listening to uh, uh, the Border Princess podcast, um, and they are mainly an eight podcast. Uh, but I haven't listened to them for a while. Uh, but they were talking about... Uh, uh, the magic face not being in the game anymore and how much they love magic face uh, which is because uh, the magic face is the only face that matters in the 8th edition <laughs> purple sun <laughs> but they they were talking about how much they love the magic face in 8th edition which I, I will agree uh, I, I really like the system of rolling for the winds of magic because it's a bit Stale in six editions. Like if you have more magic than enemy, you will always dominate the magic phase. So I, I do like that part of the eighth edition. Um, but then I was thinking, like these spells, they have a casting value, mm-hmm. and there's no magic phase. But maybe, maybe you generate dice still, or how do you think? Yeah, I don't will know. Cast these spells. Casting value eight plus. So you will need eight or more. And it can only be, it has to be, well, it has to be more than one dice. And yeah. you can maybe add your wizard level, I guess, still, something like that, if they have. I hope not. That, that that's them sucked. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> no, that's a good point. Um, so let's say they don't do that. But um, I don't know. I, so do you think that would be a, you do that at the start of the game, the uh, strategy phase, or what was it called? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So you you could roll, and this is the pool you have for the rest of the game, or for the rest of this turn. I mean, yeah, uh, I have no idea, no idea. That, maybe, but then also like since you do them each per per phase, it's easier to uh, I don't know to, to know kind of what the enemy. I don't know. Like, will that make it easier for, to to know what the enemy will will cast in later phases if they? They keep their dice? Yeah, yeah, that might be a problem. It could just be a two dice, like a leadership test, sort of, but inverted. Yeah. So every time you cast a spell, it's just two dice, and... That, that is also kind of lame, I think. And then it's like old 40k. That, I really didn't like that in like 4th edition 40k, because then it was always like, you, you buy the spell for your, your wizard or whatever, and then you just roll a leadership test, and then you cast a spell. Which is very stale because the the, the board princess made the point like the nice thing about the magic face was that you could try and counter the enemy spells uh, and there was like a whole strategy behind it and I, I agree with that and it's really cool to have like this magic battle between the wizards um, 
as a separate battle going on. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, do you think? It'll, it'll do you think you will? Do you think you will random randomly get spells still, or do you think you will choose spells? I hope you choose. Yeah, I hope so too. Because, because you could, yeah, it would be, make a theme, or a... yeah, and also like, uh, I think maybe they will balance the spells a bit better then because if you get like a really shitty spell, kind of ruins the game for you. But if you get like a really good spell, it ruins the game for your opponent. Yeah, good point. And they could cost differently based on that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe cost. I'll, we will see. Um, but that's all for the shooting phase, I think. Yeah. I think we have another phase, though, that we could discuss, mm-hmm. which is fantastic uh, because and I discussed this before you joined us uh, earlier. And uh, it just uh, having all of these news so quickly, uh, it has been quite uh, almost. Uh, we're getting spoiled by rules, I think. And we know that there will be at least one more preview this year. That They mentioned that already uh, with uh, the starting lineup for the Tomb Kings. But first of all, we have another preview with uh, the rules for poking people with a stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Niklas, can uh, you go through this for us? Yes. So, um... or First of all, can I just say, in the very intro it says, it's now time to get to the grimiest business of all. Slinging swords and shouldering pikes. <gasps> Are uh, dogs of war confirmed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you should uh, do a, a, a two-hour conspiracy video for YouTube for for that. <laughs> just you, you in a dark room uh, where you can't really see see you. It's just an outline of a person with a muffled voice uh, talking about pikes being confirmed for the old world. Mm-hmm. It must be yeah, holding up your various pikemen to the camera. <laughs> yes. Also, with the same outline of black backlit, so they can't really see what is actually holding up. <laughs> yeah. So you may not be surprised by this point to discover that the fourth and final phase of the game round is divided into four simple steps: choose and fight. It's kind of two steps in one. Uh, calculate <laughs> result, break test, and pursuit. Uh, as for the shooting phase, these steps are followed in order for each separate combat. Too complicated to summarize in full here, but this article should give you a flavor of how it all works. So yeah, it, it kind of leaves some stuff open-ended in this uh, article, but it's also very revealing. Um. You begin the phase by choosing which combat you want to begin first. In general, fighting happens in ranks, and only the first rank of an engaged unit can fight. Mm. Now I ask again, how does that make you feel, Morten? Um, uh, no, I mean, that's not necessarily a problem, I think. Uh, because I mean, that's a nerf for both armies in that case, right? Uh, well, yeah, both forces. It'll yeah. it'll just mean that combat will take more time. It'll be more drawn out, and I could be okay with that. Yeah. Um. So, 
However, a unit with a wider fighting rank than its opponent can still attack with every model in the rank. Your troops surround and envelop the other regiment. So, so in sixth edition, you could envelop, right? A lap around. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another, another rule that no one ever used. Because then um, you had to physically move the models. Or... Yeah, it's it's like um, if you win a fight, you can take uh, four models from the rear rank, two on each side, and they will <sighs> envelop the enemy. But then I think you you lose your rank bonus because they're not in the rank anymore. Okay. And also, uh, like the enemy could then hit those models. So it's it's a really very a... big gamble. So no one no one ever uses that. Yeah, because this seems um, I mean this seems just convenient in a way, right? You don't have to think about oh, does this guy touch that guy's base diagonally? It's more like. How many guys do you have in yeah. your front rank? Um, and also, then, it, it kind of gets around the whole thing, like <laughs> like they when two two models in each regiment are touching each other, and then you just go like, so oh, what are these guys doing then over here, just standing there while they're in yeah. this fight? Um, so yeah, it it does make sense that they would fight. I mean. It's it's very abstract game mm. to begin with that they would only these five guys would like have duels against each other. So uh, you could definitely make the argument for why they should fight, but it's also kind of a break from previous editions. So it's weird, but it also makes sense. Mm -hmm. Although, will this favor? huge uh the, the widest of units <laughs> what will be the meta yeah um i don't know yeah yeah this, this is very interesting because also uh, i was looking at some pictures uh of that like a dwarf army and they did have a pretty wide frontage like eight models or six the least hmm. uh, but then you won't get your rank bonuses yeah, and, and the rank bonus is uh, quite good for the combat resolution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have they said how wide a rank needs to be to be a rank? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. I bet it's five, though. It's got to be five. It's now eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's now one. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so you have that uh, lovely... Yeah, I have 900 in uh, combat resolution, because I have... A... <laughs> A goblin uh, unit standing end to end, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so then it says there are plenty of wrinkles to this. Uh, some models may make supporting attacks from a deeper rank. Multiple units can be engaged in the same combat, and any model that is able to fight without being in base contact may only make one attack this turn. So what um, do they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's break that down a bit. Uh... I mean, okay, you can fight with more ranks, spears and pikes. <laughs> yeah, some models may make supporting attacks. So yeah. probably spears. Yeah, maybe. What do you think about? Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe not monstrous infantry. Yeah, with <laughs> ogres with pikes. Yeah, I think it's gonna be spears. Maybe mm -hmm. like if some units have a special rule that they can fight in several ranks. Pro probably elves will get something. 
they always always cheat. Yeah, Elves, elves uh, used, at least the highest used, used to get uh, some lovely bonuses with uh, spears, after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's, and, that's good. And any model is able to fight without being in base contact may only make one attack this turn. This, so, I don't know, like, yeah. it doesn't seem that common that models have more than one attack. No, I guess that could be for ogres or something. So I have my, I have thick, you know, six ogres wide, and uh, only three <laughs> of my ogres are touching your unit. So they get three attacks each, and the other three get one attack. Yeah. But then, I don't know, that sort of go, well, is that also to, to, to make it not that good to have just a wide? Is that made, maybe that's a, a way to uh, balance that. Yeah. You shouldn't always run. A wave formation, <laughs> whatever we should call this. Yeah, just a widescreen. A, a sixty-man unit of swordmasters in one rank. Mm. Unbeatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, and then it says once you worked out who can fight, it's time to determine initiative for each model and see who strikes first. The model with the highest initiative test statistics strikes first, and so on down the order. Yeah, I'm so charging. happy. What? What did you? What? I was so happy there for a while. What did you say? <laughs> uh, with a bonus for charging and a bigger one for hitting them in the flank or rear. Uh, there could still be a situation, however, in which a lumbering foe like a stone troll, initiative one, may find itself striking second on the charge against the pre- preternatural senses of a swordmaster of Hoeth, initiative six. Yeah. So. So what does this mean? I mean, this could be something like, okay, uh, if you charge, you get plus one initiative, and then if it was in the uh, flank, it's yet plus another, or rear plus two, something like that. But this makes it sound like it's more than just plus one, right? Yeah. Why would the other... I think plus three, maybe, charge? Because it's just like, this... They make this out like an edge case where a stone troll does initiative one strikes after initiative six when it's charging. So it could uh, even be plus four. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I I really like this because the, the one of the big things when Aetition dropped and I had some Bretonians was that Bretonians were like initiative three. But they ride in with lances. Why don't they strike first? If you could jump up on the land and sort of... <laughs> Just do a Legolas. Uh, yes, Legolas. Onto the horse. <laughs> um, but well, I, okay, I, I agree with that. But I don't like that you always strike first when you charge. That doesn't make sense either. I mean, you should definitely get some kind of bonus. So. Yes. And if this is just a... I would like this if this is not too big of a bonus. If it's plus three, then it's basically sixth edition in almost every case, right? Because yeah, most, most units mean, are around initiative three to five or something. Uh, well, like when when would you want to hit as the defender before the charger? I think it would have to be be more because of your equipment. Like spears should get some kind of bonus, I think. To hit first, mm-hmm. 
Um, but like humans charging humans, the charger should hit first. Yeah, but that that, that would be enough with like a plus one initiative or whatever for, the, for that to work. Yeah. I think like dwarves charging elves, the elves will probably hit first anyway. Dwarves yeah. are usually initiative two. And if it's plus three, say, they would go up to five. So maybe they even hit at the same time as most elves, but slower than swordmasters. The elves might still have the rule always strikes first, so we don't, we don't know about that uh, yet. <laughs> that might ruin all of this. Um, uh, yeah. Well. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to skip the next part just because there's another part uh, about this. Um, uh, let's see, oh, where did it say that? It says something like sometimes you like a, a charger would overwhelm the enemy before they get to strike. Yeah, and that was the the question we had about step up or not. Yeah, here. you roll as many dice as your engaged models have attacks. And with the higher initiative model striking first, a charging unit has the opportunity to overwhelm its enemies before they have the wit to swing back. Next, you roll to wound and make armistice normal. But then it says it like you remove casualties from the back. But it's not clear if there's step up. Yeah, I know. And this is so frustrating because this was <laughs> one of the biggest... Uh... Yeah, things. One of the most important things that I want to know about, uh, and and it's so vague because you could interpret this both ways. I think uh, it could be, as you say, you overwhelm them before they fight back because you actually actually kill the ones that could fight back. But in a way, it's also could also just be that I mean, if you strike first, you kill. You could potentially kill enough models that the enemy don't get to fight back with as many attacks, and then it would mean the same thing, right? Yeah. So the thing with oh. this, like, I think that not having step up is a better game mechanic, but it kind of sucks for the person not being able to strike back sometimes. Uh, but then, if you if you do have step up, then I don't I don't really see the point of having fucking initiative at all, because when you play eighth edition and you have like two units of twenty. It doesn't matter who strikes first because everyone gets to strike anyway. Unless you kill 11 guys when you go first so that the enemy will like lose one over their supporting attacks. It doesn't matter that you strike first because then they get to strike back with as many attacks anyway. Mm. So what is the point of striking first? Yeah. yeah. Tell me, Morden. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. It's just that it seems so boring to n never get to fight back. Uh, and and are we do do we really want just cavalry hammer to be back? Yes, because I feel like particularly if we can get a lovely unit of silver helms in the core slot, whatever the equivalent of a core slot will be uh, for the high elves when they are finally released. I mean, I'm yeah. biased. I'm really yeah. biased. Yeah, I haven't. You, you know, I, I, I still haven't played with the with sixth edition rules, so I can't say how. I can see how it's a fun game mechanic, but it, to me, it's uh, immersion destroying. Uh, yeah, it, it is. 
it is a good game mechanic. But it's not always like fun. It doesn't always make sense that you don't get strike back. Like your guys are right there. So I can definitely understand the argument to not have that or, or to have step up rather. But then yeah. I just kind of feel like initiative is kind of useless unless you you're in a position to actually kill all of the enemy striking first then it doesn't really matter to have higher initiative but then again in 6th edition initiative didn't matter as well as well because like if you charge you get strike first anyway and yeah. usually the the combat is like 80% of the time the combat ends after first turn but then if you're still stuck in combat then yeah initiative matters Man, yeah, and it's another thing with that that we haven't taken into account here. Well, well, we'll get into that. But with the with the rules that we're going to come to about breaking from combat, it seems that in general in this edition, combats are meant to last longer. Yeah. So I guess initiative will take come into place the turns after the charge. But yes, we, we don't know how good the charge is yet. Depending on it, it, it's definitely better to charge in this edition. Well, or no, I guess not. Uh, unless, you, as you say, with the step up, it depends on the step up how much better charging is. Yeah, because I think not having step up would work in this edition because, as it will come on to now, uh, once you've you've had your combat, you have your combat resolution as normal, um, and then you have the combat result table. You get one for each um, unsaved wound, one for each rank bonus. It says plus one point per rank, and it doesn't say maximum three in this chart as there used to be, uh, which could either mean that you can get more than three or that um, it, it just says somewhere else in the rules <laughs> later. We don't yeah. know. Uh, but it doesn't feel like it would be broken to not cap it at three in this edition because you always have to have as wide a front as you have ranks hmm. so i think it scales you as well like you can't make a horde unit that's super wide uh, without losing ranks and you can't build a bus in this edition because you have to have a wider frontage so you could have like an eight by eight unit of skaven which would make more sense than having a five by eight yeah and it would be like it would be a horde and have more ranks like you get more attacks and it would be deeper mm -hmm. so maybe there won't be a cap uh one point for a standard one point for a battle standard uh which was the thing in eighth edition not in sixth edition you couldn't get both of them but i think it would make sense to get plus two for having both of the banners Mm -hmm. uh, plus one for flank attack, plus two for rear attack, uh, plus one for high ground. Mm -hmm. and that was the thing in sixth edition. I don't know if it was the thing in eighth edition. In eighth edition, you got plus one if you charged downhill. But I think mm -hmm. this is much better because if you charge uphill, you should have a negative. So this, I, I like this better. High ground, and, good. <laughs> uh, overkill plus one per excess wound from challenges. Is there a cap uh, there? No. Oh. That also used to be three. Think so. cap. I don't know. Uh, other bonuses. 
as applicable. So, yeah, you calculate the, the difference in the combat results, and then you roll a break test. But you don't just take the modifier, and that's what you have to pass, or else you will run away. There's a, a new kind of break test. Because we, uh, we, we knew since before that there would be like a, a push function uh, in this game, like in third edition, where you would push the enemy back. So in third edition, it used to work that you take the, the combat result, and you have to pass the test. But if you fail, you get pushed back for as long as your unit strength is, uh, or your, your unit size is uh, more than half of what you started with. So if you have a unit of 20, you can't break and flee until there's only 10 guys left. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this, you roll your leadership test uh, with a modifier. And if you pass your test um, with the, the modifier, uh, so if your leadership uh, 9, they have a, a nice example here, actually. Our Swordmasters, Leadership 8, have come off worse in their combat against Stone Trolls, despite striking first, and have lost by three points. They now must take a break test with three possible outcomes. So if they're all 2 to 5, which is passing the test with the modifier, uh, they will give ground. If they roll 6 to 8, which is uh, less than their Leadership, um, and they would fail it with the modifier um, they fall back in good order but if they roll more than their basic leadership they will break and flee I love this yeah it's really cool so break and flee you will <laughs> break and flee as normal and the enemy can pursue you fall back in good order it doesn't say how far you move back but I assume that you just move back still facing the enemy and you're still in formation uh, and then give ground uh, so i also guessing give ground that you would still move a bit because it doesn't say that they just stay there it does say think, give ground i think give ground you move back but you're still locked in combat but yeah. fall back in good order you for a while come out of combat because it says something in under pursue that you could charge again or re-engage. So I think yes. it's something like that. So and when you win a, uh, win a combat, uh, you get three options. Restrain, pass a leadership test to avoid pursuit, and instead reform your ranks for free. Uh, follow up, a unit that gave ground re-entering combat a few inches forward. Uh, oh yeah, that's, and, so that's the one, right? Yes. Follow, oh yeah, they, they they write so weirdly because they like they have follow up as like thick letters, so you would assume like follow up and then the explanation. But actually, it says follow up a unit that gave ground re-entering combat a few inches forward. And then three, pursue a unit that flees or falls back. Um, if you catch a fleeing unit, it's cut down and destroyed. If you catch a unit falling back, combat begins again, and the pursuer counts as having charged. So maybe when you fall back in good order, you still fall back 2d6, mm. um, but then still face the enemy. 
So they're they're not crushed, which is good because mm. um, in older editions, like you could have a unit of forty something, and then used a, a cavalry unit of ten would come in, do enough damage, and maybe they have like a banner, um, they give some even more combat resolution, and then the static combat resolution of that unit of forty would be five outnumber banner and three ranks uh but the cavalry unit will still win by like one and then they would break and flee and then the cavalry unit would just kill all of them so that can can still happen but it's not as likely anymore yeah so that's in eighth edition kind of where they introduced steadfast where that shouldn't mm. be able to happen as easily and a lot of people don't like steadfast because mm. you just get bogged down with cavalry. Because then it's like you charge in and the steadfast unit holds and then there's lock there. But now it's still kinda steadfast that you're if you pass your basic leadership test, you won't get broken. You'll still flee back and they will be able to pursue. And if it's a cavalry unit with lances, they they count as charging if they pursue you and make contact. So it's like they just keep charging you until yeah, yeah. until you die. I think I think this could be really cool. This mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Still some some like question marks to straighten out, um, especially with step up and like how far you flee back, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, it's really really interesting rules. Mm -hmm. There is one um, uh, also. Uh, big difference now uh, could you look at the to hit chart could you tell us that please yes yeah you can hit on two plus i mean that's the <laughs> the big thing if you have more than double your enemy's weapon skill um you will hit on two plus mm -hmm. which is great yeah uh, but the, so but I guess it won't happen very often either right? when I when you look at it, but but cool. No, but it's like your vampire lord charging empire peasant or Bretonia peasants. Mm. Uh, he should be able to hit on two plus, and yeah. it, it often happens that your your big lord just whiffs his attacks because three plus still only two thirds of a chance, and maybe you only have like three or four attacks. Um, so it wouldn't make sense that you will be able to hit peasants easier, mm. I think. Mm -hmm. No, no, I think it's good. And there's no, you can always hit something, right? There's no impossible to hit. No. No, good. Uh, it's still the same with... Uh, it's never worse than a 5 plus. Yeah. And uh, still the same, like, uh, you need more than double uh, weapon skill. That you have to hit on fives. It's like a, a weapon skill four guy will hit a weapon skill nine guy on fives. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's nice. Yeah. So they, speaking of other games, workshop games, they updated the do it chart with uh, the horse heresy, right? And you can hit stuff on sixes. I think. Um, or yeah, it's like, it, it was 
a, a lower step until you it was harder to hit your opponent. I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is. Yeah, I think it's nice. This is promising. Uh, I mean, we don't know. So if you fall back in good order, can you move as normal next turn? Can you charge next turn, or do are you like? Do you count as you have fleet, but you automatically regroup? There, there are some question marks here still that can have a big inf- impact. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you charge yeah. me, you charge me with your cavalry, and you win, and I and I fall back in good order, and you restrain, maybe. I mean, if you would, if you restrain, and I just have, and I'm free to charge you next turn, then I guess you wouldn't restrain. You would just charge into me again and then on my turn it it counts as you charge me again yeah but would you then so would you then just have uh, cavalry just winning time after time after time and just pushing you back until you break (laughs) it depends on step up i guess yeah i if i would just want to know yeah there's a lot of variables yeah and also like do you decide before or after the enemy rolls how far they run. Because um, they also charge shorter in this edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of new stuff. Uh, like everything so far has looked really cool. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to trying these rules out. Yeah. yeah we'll Nothing so far has been like, oh, this looks like shit. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. I will definitely, even if there is no step up, I will give it an honest try. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, was there anything else in the uh, overrun? If you kill a unit, you can charge forwards. Mm-hmm. It's um, like before, I think. Yeah. Clever use of overruns will have heavy cavalry licking its lips. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Cavalry is gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> D- definitely better than eighth edition. Probably not as good as sixth edition. Yeah, but that that's okay for me. Something like that sounds good. Um, they do say that in the combat phase, wizards can use assailment spe- spells, uh, but these seems to just be like. So combat spells that work in yeah well when a wizard is in close combat right so yeah. they have one from battle magic and one from dark magic and uh, they're both cast on seven plus and they target a sin- single enemy unit or enemy model and they take damage in the unit you're fighting with this we haven't had that before right no I mean there there are a lot of spells like in death magic that you can cast into close combat but could you uh, ca- but but these are when your wizard is in the combat yeah right the wizard has to be in the in the combat because the range is combat so the wizard has to be in the combat himself or herself to yeah. be able to soul eat you oh i think R- reading this now dark magic i mean that's usually dark elves uh-huh. it says the dark mage reaches out a talent hand to tear out the very soul of their enemy. Yeah, it could be a this could be a combination of shadow, death, and yeah. dark. Oh. That's, that's also funny that that spell in particular, Soul Eater, 
uh, is in the Dark Elf book, and then there's a spell called like Eater of Soul or something. Uh, in the death, the death lore, and I think it's, they, isn't it vice versa? Yeah, maybe. But I like the the one in the in the death lore doesn't work against undead and demons, but the one in the dragon book does. <laughs> They're not too picky on souls. <laughs> Skeleton soul. Uh, I'm a bit surprised. What though. if uh, what if you want to eat a different kind of fish? I'm a bit surprised, though, with the magic. Uh, aren't there augment and hex spells in this edition? Or are they just not mentioning them here? Because surely this is where you would do augment and hexes when it's close combat. Or is that? Or was that? No, was that before? Was that in the strategy phase? Have yeah, I forgotten? I I'll go into... Let, let's me just search quickly. Strategy phase. Uh, enchanted item. No. Laura of Nerekara enchantment. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So it's probably in the strategy phase where you do these. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Sorry. And then you have to sort of take like ah, hmm. They would probably. I would probably charge or will have to think in advance a bit more. Maybe. Yeah. All right, that range. Has, uh, that's it for this week's rule snapshots from Warhammer the Old World. Next week's installment is all about morale and psychology. Fear, terror, hatred, and all that good stuff. Hmm. So that will also be very interesting to see how fear and terror works, because it's kind of OP in 6th edition. No one remembers it in 8th edition. Yeah. Um, hopefully it'll be something cool. Something in between, hopefully. Yeah. I'm still I'm still really happy about the rules. I, I'm I, I'm I'm more bothered that I that that I don't know if the step up is or not. <laughs> I'm more bothered that I can't yeah. know for sure than if there is no step up actually. But so uh, we will see. But uh, a lot of a lot of fun things I think they've added. Yeah. So far, it, it just seems like a refined edition in many cases. They've had years to make it perfect. <laughs> yeah, but also like. It's a lot of like n- n- new stuff. It's very different from the the previous editions, mm-hmm. but also familiar. Just as I said, God damn it, the advertisement's <laughs> true. So yeah, really fucking looking forward to this game. It's gonna be soon as well. Like it's can't still can't really believe it. That's actually gonna be out soon. Yeah. Been, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, we can we can count down the months. We'll um oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what I don't what to think. I mean Well you, you well you will obviously continue with the dwarfs and, and uh, you have an army to play well most most of us have armies to play with day one, I guess. Yeah. As long as we get rules for ravening hordes or something, um, but I, I, I of course, I, I am definitely going to start a Tomb King's army with this edition. But then I sort of, I kind of want to wait and see both what the rules look like and also what the new Tomb King's uh, army book looks like before I start with that army. Yeah, 
It's a like, very, very good and mature uh, idea of you, Morton. I need to figure out the meta, what's best before I get all my... <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, all these the scarab swarms or uh, what the, <laughs> those carrion birds, whatever they're called. Oh, yeah. I think they're called carrion. So that, <laughs> I will, I'll make a unit out of the, the, the vulture that turns... That's the sand vulture. So I'll just buy 10 of the bone dragon and have a unit of mummy cats and a unit of sand vultures. And then I'll make some terrain out of, you know, bone piles or something. <laughs> That's the, the most logical thing I've heard all night. Yeah. <laughs> giant crocodile graveyard. <laughs> yes. Uh, just make a, 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 like the whole board, just like a massive gorge. That's a, like a dried out uh, big river. And then Ooh. along the river, it's just like massive crocodile skeletons. That would look cool. It could even be it could even be dragon skeletons as well, right? If you would modify them a bit. Uh, yeah, that's could... the asbestos mine, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I imagine. Yeah, imagine having a valley that's like, oh, look. There was a big battle here during War of the Beards where, you know, the last of the true dragon riders uh, or dragon princes went out. And then it's no, just a he, bunch he, of... Uh, he, he died uh, outside uh, the city. What is, what's it called? The last uh, Elven city in the old world. Ah. So there's no... But the, like treachery. could there be... Treachery. But then could there board. be a bunch of dead dragon skeletons around there? Could make some yeah. cool terrain. You you could try to get that uh, one that they released for the latest edition of Age of Sigma as well. The for the terrain kit, the massive uh, skeleton, uh, the, uh, snake skeleton or dragon skeleton that they released. Uh, terrain. I I have no. Which one was that? I have no idea now. Uh, I can see if I can find it, and uh, I think listeners might know which one it is. But uh, it is uh, not not one that we we look into. Uh, like that often, so to speak. I know it's uh, late in the show, but there there were actually some really cool uh, ghoul crypt. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, yeah, really good. The, tell, the, tell you mean Strigoi? Strigoi, yes. You mean uh, the reason to why the podcast might have a like a vampire civil war next year? Yes, <laughs> some really cool Strigoi. You can make a very nice army with them now. So. Yeah, and that was uh, one of the old uh, character Strigois, the first uh, Strigoi king, and also uh, loads of uh, ghoul units or Strigoi units in that case that mm-hmm. you yeah. made, which is really lovely. Mm-hmm. That preview was way cooler than the Tomb King's preview. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we had the uh, lovely uh, Night Lords for a kill team. Mm-hmm. Which could probably be used uh, mixed in with the Heresy Army if you play Night Lords if you want to. Yeah, and uh, then 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 the absolute coolest kit that uh, that is really the ride that the Tomb King General should have the Toro the to- Toros uh, buggy for uh, Necromunda. <laughs> it's not as cool as the Lysian ones, but it is uh, up there. It is up there. But do we have anything else uh, to discuss uh, today? Oh, I think it's. Bedtime. Yeah, wrap up time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you for listening to mostly Morton and Nicholas. And I hope uh, <laughs> they have 
regale you with the uh, tales of uh, lovely, lovely rules this uh, evening. Uh, I've been Chris, and I will thank you for this episode, and see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Uh,